Welcome to the Confessions of a Loveaholic podcast. Join me, your host, Emmy Hernandez, on a journey where we help women heal and find soulmate love to help rewire their brain and nervous system so healthy love is on the radar and it feels like home instead of heartbreak. Whether you've found your soulmate or your journey is just beginning, we'll explore the energy healing practices like meditation, yoga, and have straight talk about toxic addictions. You deserve safe love. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Italian Podcast. I'm laughing and I'll tell you guys why. Because in today's episode, I really want you to be informed. I really want you to get educated about accidents. I think this is a taboo that we really don't dwell too much into. Like we're in an accident. We are in an accident at work. We don't know what to do. And as Latinos, we tend to just kind of quiver down and quiet down. And that is why today I brought mi amiga, la abogada, Jess. Jess, how are you? I am so happy to be here. <laughs> I am so happy we finally got the opportunity to meet up. I know it's been a minute. No, yeah. So I did want to go ahead and let people know that Jess and I have known each other for about, I want to say 10 years. 10 years, right? More or less. More or less. So I'm going to move. I'm going to go over there, right? And I'm going to move your mic a little bit because I noticed that it's a little too short. So I'm going to walk over there. You guys are going to see like the behind the scenes and here I go. And if you're listening, instead of watching on YouTube, make sure you check us out on YouTube so you see all the shenanigans. If not, enjoy these three seconds of silence. And I'm not going to be silent because I'm going to talk on that mic. All right. All right. Cool. I know, so I'm going to move this just a little bit over so you can talk like that. How's that? It's perfect. And I love how authentic your show is. <laughs> like, everything just live. No, yeah, it's definitely live. So I appreciate you bringing all these goodies. Abogada Jess, who's that girl? It's Jess. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> no, I... I'm so happy. I uh, Again, congratulations on all your success. Oh, I've been following you. you and cheering you on, and I appreciate the pep talks. And I'm really excited to be here today to yeah. talk about what I do and the work that I do in the community and how I can, you know, help everyone out. Yeah, so most definitely check out Abogada Jess on Instagram. That's your Instagram, right? Yeah, it's abogada.jess on Instagram. It's abogada Jess on TikTok and on Facebook. I'm going to reiterate that so much during this podcast because, gente, I really want you guys to get this information. Also, you have a number, which is 818-JESS. Well, uh, it's 818-888-JESS. Oh, there you go. See, I said it wrong. That so is why she's here. So J-E-S-S. Look, yeah. I'm just going to keep this real close to me because it has the number. Okay, perfect. <laughs> awesome. But I want to go ahead and get to know you because in Echale Podcast, we like to talk about the journey that you've taken to become this abogada chingona in the Latine community. So, because... Again, we've known each other 10 years or so. We were there when we were undergrads, before radio, before becoming Abogada Jess. We had so many pep talks. And I told her yesterday, I was like, we're going to treat this podcast like those pep talks that we used to have for hours over the phone. Over the phone. I know. No, no prep, no nothing. It's like I get here and you're like, let's go. So let's, I'm excited. Let's catch up. So Salvadoreña, de padres salvadoreños. Tell me, how was that upbringing? Because as a Mexican household, I don't really grow up with boss. Uh, <laughs> you know? Cipota, cipota. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, there's lots of pupusas involved, obviously. Uh -huh. Um no, so, yeah, I, I had a pretty humble upbringing, and I mean, I'm still humble as we speak, but uh, I grew up in L.A., South Central Los Angeles, particularly on 55th and Central. So wow. uh, I grew up to two, uh, and my parents are immigrants from El Salvador. Mm -hmm. uh, so I felt a little bit like a minority growing up in L.A. because everyone's Mexican-American. Did you hate when people were like, you're Mexican. What part of Mexico are you from? Yeah, no, I honestly, I felt left out, if anything. Uh, I didn't I didn't hate it. Um, if anything, I was a little jealous. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I would have known uh, more about Mexican culture. So growing up, I, you know, and we know each other because I, I'm in a sorority. You're in a fraternity. And uh, when I became a member of my sorority, a lot of my sorority sisters are Mexican-American. So I, I know a lot about the Mexican culture. Um, but yeah, growing up in a Salvadorian household, um, 
you know, it, I was just thinking about it today. My parents never went to school. Wow. I was uh, the first one in my family to to go to elementary school. You're kidding me. Mm -hmm. like, my parents didn't even make it to elementary school in, in El Salvador because they had to um, take care of like Las Vacas wow. and, uh, <laughs> you know, the farm and <laughs> and things like that. So growing up, I had to navigate the world of education and i'm sure you felt the same way mm. um not only was i navigating the world of of um of education but i was also because i'm also my parents translator and i'm yeah. sure you can relate um so as like as little as five years old you know they dropped me off at school knowing that i don't speak a lick of english and you know, I picked it up as we all do, as all first generation students we do. And then um, when I got older, as I kept getting older, I would notice injustices in my community. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of people that were in my neighborhood didn't speak English. So when things were going down, like mm -hmm. police officers showing up, no. I was a translator. So I, I got exposure really early on. I want to kind of really dive into that because it's so interesting i used to live in la for well downey i don't even think that is like la and i know downey's has this whole like oh it's the hollywood of latinos now uh you know but 25 years ago 28 years ago it wasn't the case then i moved to pomona but the my reality came to be here in the inland empire where we didn't have a lot of that gang violence as Los Angeles. So right now when you're depicting your childhood, you know, gangs, shootings, uh, police, it's all like, dude, I'm so oblivious to that because I didn't grow up in that culture. Interesting that you mentioned that because I actually wrote that in my personal statement to law school when I was uh -huh. applying. So if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking about going to law school, I, I encourage them to definitely dial me, follow me on social media, DM me. Um, I util like so I use my experience and obviously, as we a lot of us do is I use it to uplift me and to encourage me and to inspire me. And that's kind of how I ended up going to law school. I. I ultimately went to law school wanting to be a public defender because mm. of uh and there was heavy gang violence in my community there was constant shootings and to the point where i remember when i was uh i think i was either a junior or senior in in school i was outside and there was shootings and to me shootings were kind of like pop rocks or something like it didn't really uh, like alarm me anymore because i grew up with it and my mom came outside and was like jess get inside in Espanol. Uh -huh. And uh and I was like and I was like por qué and they're like están disparando and I'm like but this happens all the time. Wow. And obviously like now that I'm older I'm like what was like I was a kid. So yeah. obviously as a kid you think you're eternal. Um but yeah that <laughs> I realized that you know I, this is what made me who I am and and ultimately I I knew I wanted to help the community and I wanted to you know help especially those that don't have a voice so mm. it for me it's it's latinos it's um it's because a lot of latinos don't speak spanish i mean i'm sorry don't speak english and especially in our community i noticed and and in the industry that i'm in i do mm. uh personal injury and workers comp most of our clients are latinos and mm -hmm. most of those clients don't speak english so i wanted to ensure that you know their needs are being met that i'm communicating with them in their language and that i can help them out and i'm i'm the lawyer you know mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not you know a notario that's you know trying to take their money and i know a lot of people have had bad experiences with lawyers so i'm here to change the face of all that i am the lawyer and the best thing about what i do is i don't take a penny from my clients because i get paid out of the settlement so yeah. That's that's another, thing. you know, and I find that very interesting because you used to work with big law firms and other law firms. So you saw like the discrepancies and that how they treated our community. And you were like, I need to do something about it. And I remember we like tirelessly over the phone conversations. I was telling you about my plans to, uh, you know, leave to a different radio station. You were like, I'm trying to leave my law firm. And I feel like I, I, I have this calling of doing it on my own. I know what they're doing. And I know it's so wrong and I don't want that for our community. So many people have been already taking advantage of it. So was was that a driving force or what was that leap of faith that made you finally say, I'm going to do this? Well, I think I think it's a little bit of everything. So 
you know, not all lawyers are created equal. Not all contingency fees are equal. Um, So one thing I encourage people uh, is when they're looking for a lawyer, and and, and the reason why I decided to go out on my own is um, I wanted to charge my clients a a reasonable fee. And a lot of firms do that, but there's other firms that Mm. have it in the fine print. Um, And sometimes there's, uh, you know, so it's just important to communicate to your client and me being Latina, um, I wanted to communicate in Spanish with my clients. And I do this with every person I represent. I tell them straight up what the contract says in their language so they understand it. I explain what percentage my firm is taking. Um, and it's it, it will change depending on the, uh, on the status of the case. So if it's pre-litigation, which means no lawsuit is filed, mm. it's a certain fee. If it goes to litigation, it changes. And I'm awa- I make sure that my clients are aware of that before I engage and I start doing anything. Yeah. Um, so one thing that uh, obviously led me to do what I'm doing is educating the community. And mm. I will talk about this later. I, I put out videos constantly educating people on their rights, what to do, what to look for, how to look for a lawyer, uh, what to do if, God forbid, they're ever injured at work or Mm -hmm. injured through, like, a car accident or a slip and fall. And my goal, so that was another reason why I wanted to do things on my own. I wanted to do my own thing. And I'm not, like you mentioned, I'm not an average lawyer. I look very different. And for many years going to court, no one really thought that I was the lawyer. They thought that I was either a client or the interpreter. Oh, really? Or a student. I appreciate you. Yeah, Yeah. no, I I get that every once in a while. They thought I was um, the interpreter or the court reporter. And Um, it's funny because these are all jobs associated to women. Yeah. They were looking for a man. And uh, maybe they were looking for a man. Maybe they were looking for someone that, you know, uh, looked lighter than I did. I don't know what they're... Like, honestly, I never really got lawyer... Um, and you know, I, I don't look like your stereotypical lawyer. I wear a bow tie most of the time and, you know, but I usually (laughs) don't wear bow ties now unless I'm making videos or I'm in court, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. (laughs) I I see we have a guest. We do have a guest and he (laughs) will be calm if we just let him be. My dog just entered the room and, uh, whatnot. And if he starts making a mess then I will kick him out, Benito say hi to everybody. One thing that I wanted to kind of touch on, Benny, come here. Come here, Benny. He's so sweet. <laughs> oh, see, if you once you pet him, you gotta keep petting him. Well, no, uh, just he's like stump. Yeah, he'll <laughs> get bored of us real quick. But one of the things that I wanted to touch on is I love that you're not gatekeeping information. You mentioned that you're doing regular TikTok videos uh, in your social media, which is abogada.jess, right? On Instagram. On Instagram, yeah. right? So you're consistently doing videos to educate the community because you want the community to know how to defend themselves, the things that they should be looking for. What makes a great lawyer and what should people look for in a lawyer? Good question. I love getting asked this. Uh, well, there's different different things to look for. One, are you actually talking to a lawyer? Or are you talking to an assistant? Are they answering your questions? Two, are mm-hmm. they do they speak your language? Um, I will admit I only speak a- English and Spanish. So <laughs> if, if you speak a different language, I might not be able to answer unless we have a translator. But uh, do they speak your language? Are they being transparent about everything, including the fees, including what goes into it, what their expectations are, what the expectations of you are? Um, are they answering your calls? That's another one. I've always heard people being like, hey, you know, I've had a case for two years. I've never talked to the lawyer. I don't know what's happening. Are they answering your phone calls? Are they um, keeping you updated on your case? And then experience and knowledge of the law is is very important. You know, I've been a lawyer for 10 years. I know I look young and I appreciate it. I I have to thank my Salvadorian parents for that. Brown don't frown, baby. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. And I'm very proud of who I am, but I'm not a baby. I've been practicing for 10 years. Um, and I will never say I know everything cause I don't, but if I don't know something, I will definitely research it. But I do have a very good understanding of personal injury law and workers do, compensation. Do men specifically men lawyers, do they undermine you when they see you? I don't know if you've ever done litigation or if, you uh, yeah, no, I'm a litigation attorney. Uh, uh oh, men, so you go to court and whatnot, like the yeah. Lincoln lawyer. Sorry. I just watched it on Netflix. Oh, you're know. so funny. Like I was literally like 
I feel like I am an episode away from becoming a lawyer. Oh. Because a Lincoln lawyer. Well, you know, once I start to hire, you're going to be the first one on my list. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, I I feel like I have been undermined by, by multiple people. One, because, uh, you know, I don't look like your average attorney. Two, I, I look young. Mm-hmm. And um, I... I graduated law school when I was 25, so I think that's a big reason why I, I you know, I've been practicing for for 10 years and I still look young. Um, and so thank you. And but yeah, sometimes they they think that, and I'm also Latina. Mm-hmm. I you know, and I come from South Central Los Angeles. I don't have that perfect a stellar record either where I went to an Ivy League. I went to a, a school in California. I went to UC Davis. Yeah. And then I went to law school in New Jersey. I went to Seton Hall. So, um, you know, and I, I I, was telling you yesterday, like, I don't have that perfect, like, record where, you know, I graduated law school with top honors and then I passed the bar the first try. I, You know, I'm, like, as legit as it comes. I've had my struggles. I... You know, I didn't pass the bar the very first time, and how uh, was that? It was rough. I and as here's, a Latina, because one thing is to get to law school. That in itself, to pass the LSAT or to get a score, it, it's tough on a lot of people. It's probably one of the hardest tests to take out there, besides the MCAT. You know, just to get in, uh, and then to move. How uh, how many years were you away? In- yeah, and then uh, so I took the I had um, I'm one of those people that like I want to get things over with. So I took the LSAT when I was a uh, senior in college. So uh-huh. I was I was finishing. No, I was starting my first year, uh, my last year in college. I took the LSAT and I didn't get the best score. But to me, I was like, hey, this is the score I'm going to get. And this is the score, you know, um, a law school is going to accept me. Mm-hmm. I applied to over 50 law schools and I only got into one. Mm-hmm. I only got into one. And that's why I tell people like um, and I encourage anyone that wants to go to law school to do it, to apply, mm-hmm. because the worst thing you could do is not apply because you never know. You might be the person that they're looking for. So I applied to over 50 law schools. I got into Seton Hall immediately. Um, and then uh, after that, I I moved I moved to New Jersey two months after graduating from from law school. So uh, I'm I'm sorry from undergrad. So it was a pretty quick move. And I was telling my friends sometimes people what they do is they take some time off because they think that you know they want some experience. They maybe want to get a master's and stuff. But I didn't want to wait. I'm one of those people that likes to do things right away. So. Um, yeah, anyone that's thinking about going to law school right after undergrad, I encourage them to do it. I think it's it's great. And they could always reach out to me. Like I said, I'm available. It's me. It's not like, you know, I don't have a social media person. <laughs> it's me, Jess. <laughs> it's me. I, I am the social media person. I am my marketing person. I am the lawyer that's doing your cases, talking to the adjusters, doing settlement negotiations, you know, I'm I'm doing it all right now. And yeah. I hope that later on as my business grows, you know, I, I have more people. But for now, you'll get me. So you can and you're I'm also accessible at all times and hours. So yeah. don't worry about, you know. Well, I mean, I'm major plug right now. If you want to get in contact with uh, La Bogada Jess, make sure you hit her up. It's abogada.jess on Instagram or write this number down. I literally... <laughs> I mean, I have a personal number, but you write her work number down because you just never know. 888-818-JESS. 888-818-JESS. I wanted to go ahead and uh, talk about that transition. How long were you in New Jersey for? Yeah, I was there for a total, well, total of six years, but I went to law school for three and was that a huge shift? Is there a lot of Latinos in New Jersey? I know New York, a lot of Puerto Ricans, but New Jersey? Yeah, it's kind of like it, it spills over, I guess. Oh. Uh, yeah, no, um, and that's the beauty that I loved about New Jersey. And some people like to crack jokes about Jersey. I love New Jersey. Did you ever see Jersey Shore being filmed? Uh, no, that's oh. actually a couple, like, I think it's like two hours away from where I went to law oh, school. But Which is good because then I would have been distracted if I would have seen it, you know. <laughs> I, I love... I love uh, reality, trashy TV. Like name it, I watch it, oh. um, and I watch all of Jersey Shore. But yeah, no, I um, there's a lot of uh, rich uh, cultures in New Jersey: Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, um, Haitians, 
you see a lot of people from South America, Ecuadorians, Peruvians, Argentinans, Argentines. Uh -huh. uh, you see everything. You see everything, and it's a big melting pot, and I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh -huh. I didn't enjoy the winters there mm. or the summers because the summers are really humid and the Oof. winters are just dreadful. And me being from L.A., I'm spoiled to that, like, around the 70 degree weather year round. So, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed my time in New Jersey. I just to tell you a little bit about what I did there after graduating from law school, I clerked for a judge in New Jersey, which is an extremely prestigious thing to do. And I'm very humbled and, uh, you know, privileged to have done that. And I got a lot of experience and I learned most, most of what I've learned in my legal career, I learned it from clerking that one year. Mm. I because I worked one on one with a judge. What is clerking? Uh, clerking is when you assist. You're basically the assistant of the judge. So you, uh, what I particularly did there was I would read motions, and and these are basically petitions by. I did family law, so petitions from from people going through divorces or mm. going through custody hearings, and they would request something from the judge. And I would read it. I would read what they were requesting. I would read the facts. I would read case law, apply it, and then advise the judge based on my understanding of everything as to what he should do. Wow. Okay, okay, okay. This is interesting because so many people would assume that like a judge is going to do all the reviewing himself and whatnot. And he probably does, but you already spark noted. Yeah, and he, the judge always reviewed everything the, uh, himself. Um, my particular judge, he's phenomenal. Um, he's retired now. But yeah, he would read everything himself too. Uh, but the only way we can learn is by reading things ourselves and then doing the analysis. And of course, we would talk about it. And if he disagreed with me, he would let me know. If he agreed with me, he would let me know. Um, Did you ever have like a debacle with him? Like, uh, yo, debate or, or a debate? Yeah, there you go. Like, hey, I agree. But he's like, I disagree. And then you were like... Back and forth. <laughs> no, I, not with my judge. I, I, I remember having those debates with coworkers later on when I was working at firms with other people. We would we would have an intellectual um, interchanging of words, <laughs> I would say. But, you know, I with my judge, it was the law was pretty straightforward. The facts were usually straightforward. And unfortunately, in the, the law that I did, which was family law, a lot of the families usually they were fighting over petty stuff like yeah. sometimes they were fighting over memorabilia um wow. and they were just filing and and paying their lawyers to fight and i was like you know but hey that's what happens when there's emotions involved yeah. so so i did that for a year and i learned a lot about how to analyze a case how to analyze particular uh issues in any kind of case and i really like that was invaluable experience as well as how to i'm a litigation lawyer and people are probably like what's a litigation lawyer yeah. a litigation lawyer is a lawyer that fights in court that yeah. that is taking depositions the lincoln stuff. lawyer is that yeah <laughs> so when you see like these criminal law shows they're all litigation lawyers they're constantly yeah. in court right yeah but not all lawyers are litigation lawyers there's transactional lawyers like contract lawyers mm. there's people that just or tax lawyers are just in offices all day or probate in a state. Some, sometimes they don't litigate. Um, but me, on the other hand, all I've ever done is litigation, mm. uh, which is I'm always in court. I love being in court. And I learned it's your stage. It's my stage. That's yeah. where I performed and where I feel comfortable in. And obviously it wasn't like this from one day to the next. But I my foundation of how I became as a lawyer um, was from that clerking experience because I would see judge, uh, I would see my judge interact with these uh, attorneys and he would tell me like, okay, make sure you never do that or make sure you do that or make sure you engage here or make sure not to cut off the judge, yeah. things like that. And I learned how to do that very early on. So once I started to practice and I, I, I began my practicing journey in in New Jersey. So I'm also licensed in New Jersey. So oh, wow. I joke around. I'm like, I'm a lawyer square. I have yeah. two bar licenses. I have one in New Jersey, one in California. And um, yeah, and that that's how I learned. That one was probably the hardest when you said the California one, right? Unfortunately for me, my experience, yeah, it was, it was extremely challenging. California has this notorious reputation of being the hardest bar in the country. Why? 
Why? Well, does everybody want to come here? That's why, or what? Of course. And California just has high standards for everything. It's eso, the most eso. annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's the most annoying, irritating thing. But yeah, when I so when I um, graduated from law school, I knew that I ultimately I wanted to end up in California, so I took the California bar. Uh, did not pass it the first time, and you know I didn't. No me aguite, like people say. Like I was like, you know what? Everyone fails the bar at least once in California, so it's it's normal. Also, I went to law school in New Jersey, and a lot of the laws that I learned, I learned different. them. Yeah, I learned them. California, sp the they Jersey were, way. <laughs> the, yeah, the Jersey way, and um, so I wasn't too shocked. I took it a second time, and unfortunately, I didn't pass it. But I wasn't nervous or scared because. I was I had a job lined up, which yeah. was uh, my clerking job. So when I was clerking, I was working crazy amounts of hours. I was working like I'm kid you not like 60 to 80 hours a week. Like I barely slept that year. And it's funny because everyone I would I would always complain and be like, yo, I haven't slept and stuff. And people would be like, it's your clerking year. Yeah. Of course, you're not sleeping like really? that. You're not supposed to sleep. So I wasn't sleeping and I decided to go for it and take the New Jersey bar um, and I took it and I passed it just like, I'm not saying it was the easiest thing cause it was no mm. bar exam is easy, but I, I took it and I passed it. So, you know, I realized that, you know, I, I am a lawyer. I, I passed the bar. So then I practiced at a law firm in New Jersey for a little bit, took the bar a third time in California, failed it. And I was like, what's going on here? And I at, think, at some point, did you have imposter syndrome knowing that you were an attorney in New Jersey, but not in <laughs> California, that you're like, I don't consider myself a real lawyer? Uh, you know, not really. Like, if anything, it was the opposite. I was like, I am a lawyer. It's just a stupid test, which it is a stupid test. So uh -huh. if anyone listens to this and is like taking the bar and I do meet people all the time that have taken the bar once or twice, haven't passed and sometimes say Awitan and they're like, I don't know if I want to continue. Yeah, because they just uh, stay stuck as a, oh my God, what, what is it when you can't pass the bar exam? You're just a, a I, I, you're just a glorified student with a lot of loans because at the, at the, at the, at the <laughs> no, like, no, no, but usually they go into, oh my God, it's something that's paralegal. paralegal. Yeah, no, you don't automatically become paralegal, but, but there are a lot of people that do go to law school that get their JDs, which is their Juris Doctorate, the doc the the degree that we get after law school and they decide to pursue a career elsewhere or they become paralegals but yeah no i encourage everyone not to give up i never did and i ended up passing it and honestly once you pass the bar no one cares because yeah. i i got a job immediately after that and i've been working ever since so yeah can you describe like a memorable moment as a latina lawyer that you're we're able to help out a client you're like oh my god like this is what young Jess wanted to help the community. So, yeah, no, many, many times, um, and especially because I help Latinos. Um, most of my clients are Latinos and they're Spanish speaking. Um, yeah, n nothing feels better than to, I mean, just I can even talk about the most recent experience. Um, you know, I people don't know that they have rights. And sometimes people call me, even though they're hurting, they're mostly concerned about, you know, their their car. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they're concerned about their car, it's not because they love cars. It's because they need a way to get to work. So when they call me, even though they're, you know, they're sore and and stuff like that, um, they're mostly concerned. Like, you know, I need to get I need to get my car fixed and stuff. And I'm like, well, how are you physically? Mm -hmm. And they're like, dude, I'm hurting. I'm in pain. Um, and I'm like, well, have you gone to the doctor? And they're like, no, because why not? I don't have insurance. I don't have health insurance. I don't have mm. money. I don't have. And, you know, Latinos, us Latinos, we're like, put some Vicks on it. It's going to go away. The pain will go away. But like, here's the thing. This is where the education part comes in. And I so I educate them. Like, did you know that you have rights if you get hurt, uh, you, you are entitled to get all your medical treatment paid for by the insurance company of the person who caused the accident and that's why they have uninsured motorists if oh that Ooh, too I am you've been watching my videos <laughs> you know you it, know i try yeah i, I like try 888-818 jess yeah there you go uh i've been uh yeah no if, if god forbid and i'll explain what uninsured motorist means if god forbid the person that does hurt you um, either doesn't have insurance or runs away, 
from the scene and you don't get their insurance information, you can still recover for your medical cost and your pain and suffering and any lost wages if you have uninsured motorist coverage, but only if you have it. So I always encourage people through my videos to look at their policy and see what exactly their policy provides. If they only have liability, they're not gonna have uninsured motorist coverage, which means God forbid someone hits you and they don't have insurance, you're kind of you're kind of screwed. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, lack of a better word. But this is where the education comes in. And I'm excited of, to tell people like, you know, you have rights. Another thing I tell my clients is it's irrelevant whether they have documents or not. So oh, if you're really? an undocumented citizen, undocumented, which means you don't have papers to be here um, and legally, then you can still pursue a claim for both workers' compensation and uh, personal injury. So always talk to a lawyer and here's the beauty like us lawyers that do personal injury and workers comp we don't charge our clients a penny to talk to them it's free yeah. consultation so you can call me all day every day i will answer your questions uh and i'm not gonna charge you for it and then again if i take your case i'm not gonna charge you for out of pocket doesn't mean i don't get paid because i will get paid just means I'm going to get paid from whatever settlement I can get you. Yeah, so. yeah. And I think that's super important just because a lot of Latinos are like, el abogado va a costar un montón, like it's going to cost us so much. And just by having your number, like I mentioned before, 888-818-JESS, they can call you. They can hit you up. They could be like, hey, Jess, what if this happened? Or if, okay, what is the, oh my gosh, what is the... Uh, Time of limitation, uh, status of limitation. There you there go. There you go. You sound like a lawyer already. I'm telling you, Lincoln Lawyer has helped. Statue of limitation. So if I'm involved in an accident, um, let me pause on that. What is the first thing people should do if involved in an accident? Okay. First thing you should do, first thing is check to make sure that everyone, that you're okay and everyone around you is okay. I always, and I was just having this conversation today with a client. What's most important is your health and yourself. And Everything else comes secondly. So obviously, make sure everyone's okay. Secondly, uh, obviously, get out of the vehicle. And if it's safe, pull over, get out of the vehicle safely. And then if you can, uh, take pictures of the accident scene. Uh, exchange information with the other driver. In addition to that, call 911. Mm. One, because... And I'm I'm gonna make a video about this. I I already wrote the script and everything. I write my own scripts. I do everything. Yes. Um, one thing that happens at the scene of the accident is sometimes the person that caused the accident at the time will say, "I'm sorry, my bad. Whoops, I didn't see the light. Or whoops, I didn't see the stop sign. Or whoops, didn't see you there. That I I totally did it right. And if you fail to get an accident report, which a police officer will draft for you, if you don't have that. They can then go home and then call their insurance company and say, hey, you know what? It was the other guy that hit me. It wasn't me. And that happens more often than not. You mm. will not understand. I cannot tell you how many clients I've had that are like, oh, someone hit me. And they told me, like, it's okay. They told they they accepted liability at the, at the scene. And I'm like, well, is there a po police report? No. And I'm like, and it's a four-way stop, right? Yes. Are there any witnesses? No. Mm. Uh, is it a harder case to win? let's just say i mean yeah a thousand percent it's harder because now liability is being disputed who's mm. at fault an insurance company is not going to pay you if you're the one that caused the accident they're only going to pay if, well if also it's a comparative liability state and there's so many things that i could talk about but yeah they're not going to pay if you cause the accident so i always recommend talk to a lawyer um but at the scene of the accident do these things take pictures of everything like i said exchange information with the other driver Damn. call 911 right and if for some reason nine the police cannot make it I and know. sometimes it <clears throat> happens sometimes they'll be like hey is there blood coming out of your brain and if you're there's not they might be like okay just exchange information if the other driver is telling you at that moment hey it was my bad either record him doing that like ask like because obviously yeah, get us like or exchange, have them text you exactly what they told you, which is my bad, uh, because once you have that, you're you're more or less in the clear and then you can pursue a claim. So I just want to kind of add on to that. They should probably say my name is 
like super detailed because I'm just thinking like if I send you a text message and look, this is me being a devil's advocate and I know I'm a sneaky little link. I gotta watch out for you. Well, yeah, right. (laughs) No, if I send you a text message and then you're like, okay, cool. I got it. But you know, now with iPhones, you have a 15 minute statute of limitation where you can unsend messages. (laughs) Statue of limitations. I love that. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you can unsend messages within the first couple minutes. So like, let's say you just leave and they're like, yo, unsend. I never sent you that statement. So I, 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 and I think that's the way my mind works because as soon as somebody sends me a text message, I'm going to screenshot it, you know, just as you should. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think these are just little tips here and there. And, um, that you should remember if God forbid you're ever in an accident. Um, those are like the big ones. And then after that, uh, call a lawyer, like never, never talk to the insurance company before talking to a lawyer. There's many reasons why. And I hope everyone that's listening to this is following me on social media. And I make videos about this. There's many reasons why, um, I'm not the, you know, I'm not the enemy of the insurance company, but I've been doing this for a while where I know certain tricks here and there mm-hmm. that, you know, insurance companies do. So make sure to talk to a lawyer. Don't give a recorded statement. Um, if you're injured, go to the doctor. If you don't know how to pay for it, talk to a lawyer. I mean, at the end of the day, we're here to help you and help the clients out. Um, so that's the biggest thing I, I tell people and I try to come out and education's power. Um, another thing I do is I make videos in Espanol because See. there's not a lot of information out there in Spanish, yeah. almost none. Um, and I'm like, it's coming straight from the source. I am an accident lawyer. Like it's, it's coming from someone that went to law school that has been in the industry that worked, that has litigated, that's represented people in court. So, you know, I'm, I like to think of myself as a, you know, subject matter expert when it comes to this stuff. We've talked about accidents and we've talked about, uh, you know, what you should do. And I was talking about the statute of limitation. Is there a statute of limitation like you hit me or I hit you that I can report it or I could use you? Yes, there's a two years in California statute of limitations. So if somebody hit me two years ago or like a year and a half ago, I can still file a claim against you can file a claim. So here's the thing. And you can file a lawsuit, but you have to file that lawsuit under two years because if you don't then you miss the statute of limitations so um that means you can't you can no longer bring the case Mm. so you got two years so if you've been hurt talk to a lawyer right away uh but only because you have two years doesn't mean you can like chill and wait Mm -hmm. i always tell people if you've been injured because i'm an injury i'm a personal injury lawyer uh you need to go to the doctor immediately the longer you wait to get seen the harder your case gets, the harder it is to prove that your injuries are also uh, are actually a result of the accident. And some attorneys, not all, don't take cases if the person has waited more than a month to get yeah. seen by a doctor. Yeah. So that's why I tell people, call a lawyer, go to the doctor, uh, and I don't cost a penny to talk to yeah. you. So just call me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So just call Jess, and I'm going to go ahead and reiterate the number one more time, 888 888- 818 Jess and I'm going to go ahead and give her my testimony because I hit somebody and I want her take on it and then I want to go into the other side of personal injury because a lot of you probably work or have parents who work at stores who have parents who work in areas like construction sites where they might get hurt and they come home with pain and that's a type of personal injury so we're going to also go into that and I also have an example uh, with my mom. So a couple years ago uh, in college, so it's way past the statute of limitation, yeah. <laughs> even though they did take me to court. Well, oh, not, wow. well they did take me to court, but they didn't. Um, but the insurance kind of took over. Uh, so I was driving and I was driving through uh, I was 21. I was driving through a, a street in Rialto. And obviously there was a, the car was going to turn, but there was no stop sign. And because it's it's a like a street that for about a mile it doesn't have stops so if somebody wants to go left they have to like slow down and i was already coming at like 45 50 miles an hour on a 40 mile street right and then it was a big suv van and she was about to turn and because i was not tailgating but close enough where i didn't see where that she was slowing down i ended up hitting her totaling my car 
and whatnot. And I just remember, literally, I close my eyes and sometimes I have PTSD driving down that street because I like for a couple years, uh, wow, I've never really said that where I would just like kind of go into a little shock mode, which is something I feel like people don't really talk about in like, oh, there's PTSD, obviously from the army, PTSD from um, being molested, but there's also PTSD from being in accidents or, you know, and that was my first accident. So I remember she was like in her car. I just screamed when I kind of reacted and I was like, oh, oh. and the first thing I did was get out of the car. Obviously, I saw my car. The front of it was totaled. And I was like, what the hell? And then I went immediately to the other car and I saw the lady and she looked like she was like, you know, really badly hurt. I remember some kids coming and they were like, hey, man, you're good. Like, you can go. You can go. Like, we, we got her. We'll watch her and make sure she's OK. For a split second, I kid you not, that's what I thought. That's what I thought of doing. And I'm like, wait a minute. That is a hit and run. Like, literally, if I were to leave the scene of the crime and no. it's right? not a crime. Uh, oh. Accidents happen all the time. Oh, Don't the scene of the accident. Then. There, yeah. <laughs> the scene of the crime. Were you intentionally hitting it? No, 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 I know you were. I look and you did the right thing by saying. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Accidents happen all the time. And sometimes, you know, it could be contributorily negligent, which means it's not all your fault. It could have been half of her fault or it could have been. Uh, you know, it, it, that's why it's always good to talk to a lawyer because you mentioned that she was about to make a turn. Uh, you were going straight when you hit her. I mean, hey, there's a uh, depending on on the facts, you know, maybe it wasn't your fault. So did you have a stop sign or so anything there, coming up? No, no. The next stop sign was probably like half a mile. So you had the right of way. So, OK, see, I didn't have a lawyer at the time. So now here is the other uh, side of the story, because I was helping her. I waited till the cops got there. I waited till the ambulance got there. I got her number and her husband's number. Her husband said like, oh, man, she was just in an accident a couple uh, weeks ago. So like this, this sucks, right? So I was like, no. So I was checking in. Look at me as a, a citizen of, of the San Bernardino County. I was checking in probably every two days. How is she doing? Oh, she's fine. Like then I got to talk to her. She was great. Months later, I opened the door and I'm like, what, what is this? Hi, we're looking for Jose Quintero. I'm like, what? And then I'm you getting, got served. I got served. I was literally, I had seen it in South Park. I had seen it in the Simpsons. And you're I, 21 years old going it, to court. Yeah, 22. And I got oh, served. 22. And then obviously it's so scary because you're seeing the court documents and she can't explain anything because now I know that when somebody serves you, it's literally, hey, I'm just here to drop things off. I I, I don't know anything, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's what the, I got served means. So then I look at it and they're trying to sue me for like $230,000. And you're just like, what for medical... Um, medical bills um um pain and suffering pain and lost suffering. wages exactly like traumas etc cetera, etc cetera. and i'm like whoa 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 mental health i there was just so much i was freaking out obviously 22 years old scared i didn't know what to do you're and like where do i get 250k from exactly i was like dude i'm already in student loans and it's only like 10k at the time like where am i gonna now add two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? that's why you gotta get really good insurance it, well, and that, that's another thing i talk about it's like make sure you have insurance but yeah see and that's another thing um that i talk about in my videos is that sometimes when you're in an accident at the time you have so much adrenaline running through you that you might think that you're fine or your injuries aren't as severe as they are it's not until you get home you've had some time to relax and then the adrenaline yeah. starts to wear off that all the pain just hits you and then um, it's kind of like I, I describe it as getting hit by like a ball or something. Initially, it's probably a little bruise or a little red and then all, and then it starts to swell and then it starts to get purpley and stuff. That's kind of what your body does when yeah. you get hurt. And that's another reason why I advise everyone to not talk to the insurance company immediately. <gasps> and That's and, what I did. Yeah. And talk to a lawyer, especially because you didn't talk to a lawyer. Uh -huh. It sounds like to me, I don't know the scenario and I don't, but from what you told me, you were going straight. This lady was making a left or a right turn and kind of cut you off unless, unless you had like a stop sign or something. It sounds like she might've been the one that caused the accident. But here's the thing. 
you never know until you talk to a lawyer. So even I literally they, told them because uh, I called my insurance and sorry to cut you off. But yeah, like okay. now I, I'm like into the story because I'm like, oh, statute of limitations over, though. Uh, Two years. Yeah. yeah. But no, she she literally I was like, dude, it was a four stopped. I didn't see her because she immediately stopped real quick to make a turn and then she paused and i'm like uh by the time i reacted it was like too soon to press the brake that i obviously hit her i obviously called insurance right away and they provided a lawyer for me because i had good, like full coverage and one. yeah so that's good uh be, so they were able to take care of everything and i have no idea but i didn't have to pay a penny out of my pocket and i think one thing that helped them out was I literally said, because I was trying to call her, like, yo, you're suing me? Like, after all I've done for you? After I hit you, you know? <laughs> but I I remember clearly, I was like, she's not picking up anymore. Like, she's not answering my calls. She's represented by counsel. Exactly. So you would communicate with their attorney. Was, I, I guess. So I remember <laughs> telling the insurance attorney on my end, I was like, hey, well, now that she's not my friend anymore, <laughs> I'm going to let you know that her husband, when he called me, he said she said she was involved in another accident. Perfect. And um, so I don't know if these injuries that she's claiming are because of my accident or from a previous accident, you know? So I like started researching myself because as a firstborn Latino in this country, I feel like you become to do the research all by yourself because your parents don't have the access to. So you've been researching what words mean from birth almost. So of course you're going to say like, Hey, she's like Googled, she's suing me for injury. So Google rebuttals you with like, are you sure it's from your accident? Is Did she have a pri previous accident? Obviously, like, you have to dig deep. If I had an accident attorney like yourself, you probably would have... I probably would have mentioned it, and you would have been like, ding. Yeah, no, I, well, I would be the one doing the suing, actually, because yeah. I'm a plaintiff's attorney. But, yeah, that's that's a perfect example of why you should always talk to a lawyer. Because if you would have talked to a, no a lawyer initially... I, we probably would have determined, I don't know, uh, again, this is, you're talking about something that happened like, oh, probably 10 years ago or something. Uh -huh. um, you know, maybe, maybe you weren't, maybe you had a claim against her for all you know, but you never know unless you ask. And the beauty about this industry is that we don't charge to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And I particularly don't charge obviously to talk to you. And um, obviously I do charge once I take a case and I take that from the settlement. And that's one thing I always tell my clients because a lot of people um, hear the thing, like if you don't win, you don't pay, um, yeah. you don't pay us a penny and things like that. And they're, they're kind of thinking like, Oh, so the lawyer's free, mm -hmm. but it's kind of educating. No, no lawyer's free. Uh, we, we do charge. We just get a percentage of your settlement and make sure, you know, make sure you talk to the, to the attorney about the percentage and whether, you know, can that's you, something you want to work with. Can you rebuttal the, the percentage? You can always negotiate oh. a, uh, contingency, uh, fee. Uh, agreement so you could always negotiate yes you can price match so, so if you want to talk to different lawyers and and see which fee you can do that there's nothing against the law saying that and you know you uh lawyers can change their fees depending on the circumstances depending on the case depending on the status um you know and yeah. i encourage people to do that so now let's move over to another one uh work injuries okay uh, slip and falls are very typical yeah um, repetitive movements. yeah and especially because a lot of our moms and i say it because it happened to my mom and i'll get into that story in a bit too right. it was like she slipped and fell on uh at work and it tends to also happen to customers like if they slip and fall and it is wet in a store right because so then they have a claim or not yes yeah, so oh, okay. there's two different yeah so so here's the thing. If you are working uh, at a store or Home Depot or whatever, and you're an employee and then you fall, that's usually covered under workers' compensation. Okay. And and that's a different area of law. Uh, but if you're a patron of a establishment, let's just say you go to a bar and you slip and fall because some, or a club or you're at a store and you're, you don't work there and you fall because of the negligence of someone else, then it's a personal injury case. What's up? I saw the I, light bulb. I, I know I saw the light bulb and I just yeah. thought of so many times we were at college bars and we right. slip and fell. Oh, would there have been a claim there? Per depends. Was there negligence on behalf of the establishment that they failed to sweep the floor, um, that they failed to uh, remove whatever dangerous substance you fell on mm, um, so or fell for? Objective, subjective. It's it's it all depends to facts Dang. and and slip and fall cases are the most complicated, toughest, 
riskiest cases to take on mm. because you have to establish liability. It's not like you get rear-ended, that's kind of a no-brainer. Mm. The person that rear-ended you is at fault. So analysis kind of ends there with yeah. liability. When it comes to slip and falls, there's so many different factors you don't even know, and they're risky. So that's why it's good to talk to a lawyer. But um, what I wanted to mention is work injuries are different than personal injuries as that result from accidents, car accidents, and uh, slip and falls. They're different. There are two different areas of law, and they're different lawyers too. Damn. There's a workers' comp lawyer. This is so freaking ex like exciting and knowledge. Um, yeah. And sometimes, depending on the circumstances, you might have a case for both. So the most common one is, let's just say you're a truck driver for, like, I don't know, Target, or mm. and you're driving, and then you get hit. Then you have a personal injury case, and then you because you obviously were. you were in an accident, and you have a workers' comp claim because you were working at the time that you were hit. Mm. So that's those are the, some they're called hybrid cases, and I sometimes get those. So that's why I I do both, and um, I'm here to you know if I can't help you with the workers' compensation case, I I have an army of lawyers that I work with that mm -hmm. that will. So, um, but again, I have knowledge of both areas of law. I've been blessed to work in both areas of law. And if you have any, you know, God forbid, any work injuries, um, let me know. And also work injuries come in different forms. And I made a video about this. Like mm -hmm. there's repetitive movements. There's repetitive action. There's sometimes you might be on the work site getting to work, not clocking in, but getting there and getting hurt. You still have a workers comp claim. Mm. Um, you And uh, another thing is it's a no fault jurisdiction, which means that let's just say you were like stapling something and you stapled your hand to the to the wall you still oh. have a case for you still have a case under workers comp yeah so yeah. It, it doesn't matter that it was your fault that you stapled your hand to the wall so it's always good to talk to a lawyer i want numbers because um i don't know my mom had a lawyer so she worked at a store i'm not going to mention the store where she slipped and fell and the floor was wet there was cameras she told her boss and whatnot and uh, obviously she wanted workers comp and whatnot but they didn't provide that to her instead they ended up letting her go and obviously as a Latina and so many Latinos who work at establishments are like, oh, shit, like I don't want to cross any problems and whatnot. So that's why she was very much like, OK, well, if I don't get anything, I'm OK. But the minute she got let go, that's when the Latina in her came out and was like, hell no, I'm not I'm not going to be left with the last word. And obviously my dad on his end was like, don't even fight it. It's a big company. Why would you even go there? She herself, not knowing any English got herself a lawyer even other family members and friends were like you're dumb like you're never gonna go against like a big company um lawyers and whatnot and i don't know how much this lawyer ended up taking from the settlement and and that's why i want to know like was this a fair amount should she have gotten more was there more to go from uh the the um, the process and everything because there was video or whatnot i don't know why it lasted two years or around sore yeah, no, and uh, so workers' compensation cases do take a while. Okay. They just always do. Um, workers' compensation is meant to take care of your medical cost and your uh. medical treatment. Uh, ultimately, you get money at the end of a workers' compensation case based on your permanent damage, basically, and that gets assigned a number. The percentage that a lawyer takes is a lot smaller in a workers' comp case than God. a personal injury case. That's mostly related to, like, the risk involved and things mm. like that. But, uh, yeah, so I can't tell you a number because every case is different and the amount that whatever was assigned to her case is, is an amount. But for the most part, just so you have a ballpark understanding – Workers' compensation lawyers don't take more than 15% of whatever the ultimate settlement is. Got it. So I would encourage, you know, you to look if you, and there's usually a settlement agreement at the uh -huh. end of every settlement, and that outlines what the lawyer took, the percentage they took, um, and usually workers' compensation is actually really good about keeping their fees low. Mm. Um now, in personal injury cases, the fees vary, and they do. I've seen anywhere from a third wow. to 50%. Whoa. And it, it just 
because there's a lot more risk involved. Um, and a, sometimes the cases, you know, if it's a slip and fall and things, you don't even know if you're going to be able to establish liability. But obviously us lawyers, we're in the business of making money. Of so course. we generally take cases that we believe um, we're going to get a good outcome. But no lawyer should ever guarantee an outcome. Like I never do. I never say, oh, for sure, money. No, there's no such thing because a lot of things go in and get involved in it. But if we think it's a good case, we usually take it. You yeah. Know? So she ended up getting and I'm going to say the number 25,000. And this was about eight years ago. Uh, or so. So, I mean, I don't know how much he took, but if you're saying about 15%, then he probably took like a good, I don't even know. I'm not even going to do I don't know. What yeah, <laughs> I wish I knew what 15% of, uh, of that is. I mean, usually up to 15%. I mean, there are, ex if there's other circumstances, obviously they could, the attorney can petition the court to get more if that's yeah. what they want. I, I just don't know. The but 25,000 um, doesn't seem too bad okay too cool. bad all right so. then she she got a good lawyer then <laughs> yeah I, I but you know it all depends on the injuries and things like that yeah so. why are so many people afraid to contact a lawyer what what, what do you think is the biggest impediment yeah no i think i think i uh, you know i mentioned in the past uh people have had experiences bad experiences with certain attorneys or people that represent themselves as attorneys uh and unfortunately in our community there's a lot of um people that pry on that and i mm. hate it uh so maybe they're afraid of and it could be different things they're afraid of hiring a lawyer because they think they're just gonna take their money they're not gonna do anything about it um they're not gonna protect their interests uh maybe they're scared because of their immigration status yes. but what i tell everyone is you don't know until you ask and i'm telling you me as a lawyer that it doesn't matter if you're here legally or not you still have a claim for personal injury or for workers comp if you've been injured like that doesn't have anything to do and us lawyers we're here to protect you not to to rat you out or anything um and yo hablo espanol so i'm available at any time just call me if i don't pick up it's usually because i'm in court or i'm in a deposition or i'm talking to another client no. but i will get back to you so you mentioned that you guys don't get a penny until uh, their settlement. So is there cases where you lose the settlement and you just don't take in anything? And it's sort of like, I don't want to say you wasted time, but at the end of the day, well, no money in here. It is time taken away from you making income. Yeah, it happens. Um, has it happened to me in particular in my firm? No, <laughs> it hasn't. Um, but that's why you need to have an honest discussion with your attorney when you start so the way it works is if i take a case and god forbid we lose or it doesn't settle um or it's like then in that case i don't get any i don't get money at all i don't get yeah. money from my client i don't get money from the settlement because there is no settlement um and then all that time energy any kind of cost that I might have incurred, let's just say filing costs, medical records, retrieval, things that all cost money, that comes out of my pocket. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, I, I, that's, I will never recover it. But that's why it's important for you to have a discussion with your client from the get-go um, as to what all the facts are to see if it's a good case or not. And there are times I get calls where I believe the case is a losing case and I don't take it because I'm like, why, why would I them? take it? Yes. I, oh. I let them know. And I, I am nothing but transparent with everyone with potential clients, with clients. Um, and obviously every, every attorney is different. Some attorneys are willing to take a risk on a case that they think is unbeatable. Other attorneys are going to be like, no. So it really depends on the facts. So I wish I could give you an example, but there's just so many variables that it, it really matter. It depends. What's the hardest thing about being an independent Latina lawyer? Uh, the hardest thing, I, I think the hardest thing as being a solo attorney right now is, um you know just just not having uh a support clerk. yeah support <laughs> so i i joke around and i always say like hi my name is jessica zamora i am the intake specialist i am the case manager i am the janitor of jay-z law which is my law firm uh -huh. i do it all so i you know you know i wish there's so many hours in the day to do it all and there aren't but i'm very blessed that you know i i get 
all the work that I have right now, I it's far more than manageable. If anything, I encourage people to call me because I need more work. Mm -hmm. um, and but that's one thing that that could be challenging is is not having support. Uh, but I'm I'm doing just great right now. So yeah. uh, so far so good. And are you hiring interns? Are you looking for interns? Is that a possibility? I think so in the future. Uh, right now, like I said, I, I only have uh, around 15 cases and that's more than manageable for one person. And yeah. I'm, I'm doing it all. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm doing it all. I'm, I'm looking. <laughs> I am doing the intakes. I am doing the marketing. I am literally everything that goes with running a firm i am doing it just by myself so um you know i wish there was more hours in the day so i can make more videos uh, informing the community but there aren't because i have to get to work and mm -hmm. i uh i like to do community events i wish there was more hours in the day i could do more of those you know eventually i think they will be um but yeah no i i do things as they come now do you think little jess is happy where abogada jess is right <laughs> oh, now? you're so funny I, I think so. I, I'm very, uh, you know, I'm very um, proud of how far I've come. I think I've done very well. I started my firm in November. I started my Instagram channel in November and my TikTok. And I've been getting great feedback. I've been great in, uh, getting a great response, great viewership. Um, and I feel like people are taking what I say into account and yeah. I have been getting calls from people that have been watching my videos that have been like, I didn't know I had a case until I saw your video. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, you definitely have a case. And like, I didn't know I could like, for example, like having stress and anxiety on the job. Mm. That's a work. You have a workers comp case. You're kidding. Yeah, me. you might have one, you know. You I, know. Mean, no, I, I mean, no, I mean, no, you're I can't not stressed nor anxious. No, but I know so many people at work that are stressed or anxious. I need I'll give you my cards. I'll <laughs> give you my 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 information. Uh, you could definitely give it to them. Well, I mean, we have so many people who work in high stress environments like schools, uh, CPAs, uh, you know, that not necessarily I don't want to say that we don't get stressed in radio because there's definitely stressors every single day in TV. But I think we're on the blessed side that <laughs> we love doing if you're doing talk radio like I am and with the team that I'm in, I'm very blessed to be there and to do what I've always dreamt of doing, which was entertaining. So even though there is stress from it, I can't complain because it's what I've always wanted to do as a child. You know, so yeah, it's it's <laughs> that saying: if you do what you like, if you work in, it's you not, never work a day exactly. in your life, and and that's how I feel. I absolutely love being a lawyer, and I couldn't be happier um, to be a lawyer and to be in in the f field that I'm in, helping the community that I I, I'm, I love. Um, so I I completely understand, and hopefully people. I mean, stress is sometimes is associated with the job. That's you can't yeah. help it, but obviously if it's interfering, if it's causing you pain if you need therapy if you need medication which is totally fine um you might have a workers compensation case yeah. but you never know until you talk to a lawyer so i i i'm very proud of how far i've come that people are actually watching my videos looking at them paying attention to them and then hitting me up when it like hits a chord and sometimes i just get feedback saying like good content and that makes me feel good i'm like thank you yeah. for watching so definitely we've been talking for the past hour and i want you if you're listening and if you're viewing this on youtube to take down the number 888 like write it in your cell phone 888-818-5377 that is 888-818-JESS like literally like that and just save it as abogada Jess because you just never know when you're gonna need it I have one final question for you this podcast is called Echale Podcast you've been at the start of what Echale Podcast is when it was a YouTube channel when I finally started working at Univision you we've cried over the phone various nights when <laughs> we you, have when you couldn't pass the the, the, the bar. bar I would call you and be like bro what's happening and like, I, I kept interviewing for Univision at the time and I'm like why don't they want me and look at us now yeah we've come a long way doing what we love more than anything so again this podcast is echale podcast to put in something echarle algo a la vida what would you like your paw print in this world to be wow i know it's a very I loaded know. question wow thanks you didn't even give me a heads up no <laughs> uh what do i want I, honestly i just want people 
to definitely not be afraid of pursuing their rights. That's the biggest thing that I want. Like I make these videos and I'm constantly going to community events and talk to anyone that will listen to me. Um, trying to let them know that, hey, you can be protected. You already know this. A lot of people, especially in our community, Latinos, are afraid of asking for yes. help, are afraid of getting representation, are afraid to go to the doctor. Like, and I get it. Part of it could be culture. Part of it can be machismo. Like, it could be different factors. But my goal is to inform and educate and provide clarity and comfort and trust in people that there are rights there are resources you have a voice and i'm more than happy to be that voice for you so mm -hmm. um you know even though you you knocked me out with this question i'm that's what i want ultimately like i want people to know that there is someone there and here's another thing that i tell people i specialize in personal injury and, and workers compensation but that doesn't mean you can't call me if you think you have a legal issue. I, like this morning, I got a call because someone got an eviction notice and they felt that it was untimely. Mm. And uh, there, I know a little bit about different laws, not an expert. And at that moment, I, you know, I have a colleague that can help them out. So here's another thing I tell people. Mm. If you have a, any kind of legal situation you mentioned how your mom was fired after mm -hmm. she got terminated uh, after she got hurt she's it sounds like a wrongful termination claim that's for an employment lawyer i don't oh, do employment wow. law but i'm more than happy to refer you to someone that does but the slip and fall you could have worked in tangent with uh slip and fall yeah slip and well yeah workers compensation yes and uh, but that's the thing you never know and you never know what kind of case you have sometimes until you talk to a mm. lawyer so i encourage everyone to call me if they think they have any kind of legal standing for anything so if they're like oh i just got fired and sometimes i get calls where people are like oh i just got fired my boss didn't like me well we'll talk about it and be like well potentially you have a wrongful termination were mm -hmm. you bullied did you document this and these are things that you don't think about until you talk to a lawyer. So I encourage people to call me if they think they have a case for anything. Because if I can't take care of it, like I, t I probably most likely know someone who can. And I can attest to that because I did call you a couple weeks ago for an issue that was giving me very much anxiety. And you did hit me, like connect me with somebody else, which I really appreciated it, that it just put things into perspective, but eased that. So I thank you very much, Jess. Anytime. And I encourage everybody to go ahead and follow her What's your Instagram? What's your TikTok? Where can they find you? Of course. So soy abogada.jess on Instagram. If you look for me on TikTok, it's abogada.jess, just one word. And on Facebook, you go to Facebook and you put abogada.jess. And I'm more than happy to answer your questions or if you have, if you want to go to law school, anything that you're pursuing, if you're in my sorority, Sigma Lambda Gamma, if hey. you're in his fraternity, Sigma <laughs> Lambda Beta, please hit me up. Like, I'm Keep more than Keep the money happy. purple, as we say. Oh, wow. I've never heard that. I really? like that. Oh. Keep Keep the money purple? Yeah, we always help each other out as fraternity oh, brothers. So what? it's like if I need some type of construction or if I need some type of accounting services or if I ever need some type of anything because we have such a huge network of uh, fraternity brothers uh, that do so many things. Like, let's help each other out. Let's help each other out as a community. Let's help each other out as fraternity brothers. And let's keep the money purple. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. No, I, um, but yeah, definitely. Thank you for repping me. I'm more than happy to help. Um, any community events that you think might benefit from having a lawyer. I also encourage people to message me. Like, I have people messaging me because they see the, my videos and they're like, hey, I'm having a resource fair in my, in my school. Yes. Will you come? And I'm like, of course. So, you know, there's so many different reasons why you can message me or you just want to say hi. That's cool, too. Once again, Abogada Jess, thank you so much. I love no this problem. logo, by the way. It's you in a car. That's me. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the reason why um, it looks like that in particular is because I wanted to get the point across that I take cases all over California. I'm based out of Los Angeles, but I will take cases in Sacramento. I will take cases in San Diego. So it just depends, uh, you know, if you have a case or not. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're watching this from Eureka County, call me. Like, I will help you out if you have a case. Abogada Jess, everybody, check her out. Y gracias. Ay, muchas gracias. Mm. <laughs>